Oh, and there's truth. And uh, today I'm excited, man. We've been in a little series called Ghost. Whoever went woo, you was on the right track. Don't let nobody hold you back. We we're in a little series called Ghost. Amen. All right, that was good. On the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling you, it is a life-changing force, and uh, it's incredible. And I hope you've been learning some things. And, and when, when the Lord put this, started putting this series in my heart, I, I tell you, one very first thing I said, I've got to get Pastor here to, to teach during this, share the Word of God to us during this series, because I hang out with this guy, and, I, and he has spent a lot of years, a lot of time studying this, and not just studying this subject, but walking in this subject, in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's going to share some truths with you today, and I encourage you right now to go ahead and get your bulletin and flip it over, get you a pen out, get your highlighter, and uh, you need to start doing that. I ain't preaching today, so I'm going to take just a second and say that. You need to start bringing your pen and your highlighter weekly with your Bible and start writing this stuff down, man. It's important to get this stuff in you. Go back and study it later. But he's going to give you a lot of truth today, and I believe it's going to change your life. I know we're talking about a subject that uh, the guys in, in, in the New Testament faced when they went and shared the, shared the gospel and shared the good news of the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of the guys looked at, 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 the, at the disciples when they shared this, and they said, we haven't even so much as heard of the Holy Spirit. And I know we're in a, we're in a time today where there's a lot of folks who have never heard of the Holy Spirit and, and don't know the reality of it. So I'm excited about this series and about what God's doing through it. And, and next week I'm going to be teaching on what I believe is the greatest reason that God sent the Holy Spirit. So come back next week and, and hear that. But today, we're excited, and I'm honored, we're blessed to have a man of God, Pastor Harris, preach the word of truth to us today. Will you give him a, uh, some love this morning let him know you appreciate him? How many brought your manufacturer's handbook? Hold it up. Looks good. Preacher asked a little girl one time, he said, can you tell me what's in the Bible? She said, I can tell you everything that's in the Bible. There's a napkin from an old wedding, a lock of mom's hair, there's some dried flowers from grandpa's funeral, family records. You know, a lot of people these days feel like if you believe the Bible, you're unscientific and believe the earth is flat. They don't know that Isaiah 40:22 says he sits on the circle of the earth. Pagans believe the world set on a platform. The Bible is scientific. Job 26, 7 says he suspends the earth over nothing. Why do you think the priest washed his hands after he examined the leper? Because he knew about germs long before Louis Pasteur did. Washed his hands in running water, by the way. Well, you say Joshua told the earth, to, the sun to stand still, and if the earth had moves. Well, the sun does move visually across the sky. The weatherman even says the sun sets and the sun rises. You know, they had plagues in Europe during the Middle Ages because they put sewage out on the streets. But in Deuteronomy 23, 12, and 13, God said, when you go to relieve yourself, go outside the camp, take a shovel, and cover it up. And I love verse 13. It said, for the Lord your God walks in the camp. Somebody says, well, I believe in evolution. I'm scientific. Evolution is science fiction. You know, a school teacher brought in an aquarium of water, and he put a big blob of oil in it, and he took a stick and stirred it up, and he made little drops of oil floating around in the aquarium, and he said, that's how the earth got started, the Big Bang. Some little kids said, who did the stirring? 
Cause quite a stir. You could put all the parts of a computer in a washing machine and start the agitator. It could run 15,000 years and never assemble that computer. Yet we say that the greatest computer that ever existed, the human brain, which has trillions of cells, was assembled accidentally. You can believe that. You can believe a tornado hit a junkyard and assembled a 747. You can believe that the, table, the Mona Lisa painting was once a tablecloth in an Italian restaurant over the years. The ketchup, the mustard, the mayonnaise blended together until it formed the perfect picture of the Mona Lisa. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I believe in a creator, amen? Now we're going to talk about praying in the spirit, which is the best possible use you can put your tongue to. But before we get to that, why don't we talk about the bad uses of the tongue? Got a little quiet. How many of you know that criticism will come back to you? An Australian Aborigine bought a new boomerang. He liked to went crazy trying to get rid of the old one. Now, gossip is not just sharing information about people. Gossip is damaging people. I think the dictionary definition for gossip is dung flung from a sprung tongue by which someone is hung. Years ago, this really happened. There were two ladies talking. And one said they were gossiping, and one said, Honey, tell me more. And she said, Honey, I've already told you more than I know. You ever heard of Ephesians 4.29? Let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building other people up. There are people that wouldn't smoke, dip, or chew, or sit on a pew with you if you do, but their tongue is a wrecking ball. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. You can speak life, you can speak death. Now, if somebody walked into church and walked down to the front row and lit up a cigar on the front row during service, it'd trip our circuit breaker. But if two people sat on the front row and gossiped, we wouldn't pay it that much attention. Now, I'm not saying tobacco's a good thing. I don't beat you up if you smoke. You know, they've got to put a new warning on cigarette packs that says the butt you throw away may be your own. Tobacco farmer is the only farmer that loves to see his crop go up in smoke. Some people say coffee's bad for you, but I don't believe they have grounds for that. But isn't it funny how the church, as a church, will focus on one sin, and something else just as bad will let slide. A girl went into a restaurant one time and looked at the menu. Beef tongue was on the menu. She said, gross. I don't want anything that comes out of an old bull's mouth. She said, give me some scrambled eggs. Do a tongue inventory right quick. Are you blessing with your tongue? Are you blessing the pastor? Are you blessing the youth leader? Are you blessing your spouse? Are you blessing people? Are you tearing up? Are you building up? Are you tearing down? Even husbands and wives need to praise one another. You know, we talk about the woman of Proverbs 31 who was so wise. 
diligent, industrious. She had a smart husband. It said he praises her in the gates. You men ought to praise your wives. I tell you what, if a marriage is getting rocky, each of you sit down and write a list of all the good things you can think of about your spouse. It may change your perspective. Husband and wife were riding along out in the country, and they weren't getting along good. He saw a bunch of donkeys out in the field, and he said, are those relatives of yours? She said, yeah, in-laws. Now, the tongue is in a wet place. It can slip. And when your tongue slips or you catch yourself using your tongue wrongly, you need to apologize. You may need to repent. You may need to go to somebody and ask forgiveness. I think in user-friendly churches these days, we come to church to be entertained and to maybe make you feel good. But I tell you what, the church ought to tell you, hey, if you've used that tongue wrongly, go to somebody, repent, make it right, get it done. Pick up your tongue to a carload of blessings. Now, praying in the Spirit. How many of you pray in the Spirit? What is praying in the Spirit? Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Greek is pantekaro, at all times. You should pray in the Spirit at all times. How many know how to pray in the Spirit? Is praying in the Spirit when you pray and you feel the Holy Spirit, is that praying in the Spirit? Not praying in the Spirit. Is praying in the Spirit when you're praying so loud the neighbors can hear you over their beer party? We had a lady named Granny Cole that lived on our block when I was a kid. She was a good old Church of God woman. That woman would pray. You could hear her for a block away. I imagine every demon on our block broke out in whelps. Is that praying in the Spirit to pray loud? No, that's not praying in the Spirit. It's all right to pray those ways. It's praying in the Spirit when you get so excited your face is flushed and veins stand out over your collar and you suck in wind like a 400-pounder on a treadmill. Is that praying in the Spirit? No, that's good praying. That's not praying in the Spirit. Where can I go to get a definition of praying in the Spirit? What's the best commentary on the Bible? What's a good book to read about the Bible? The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. So if I go to 1 Corinthians 14, 14, you want to go there? I've got this handheld mic, so I'm just going to tell you basically what's there. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in a tongue. Greek word for tongue is glossa, language. And the text indicates it's a language you don't know. If I pray in a language I don't know, if I pray by the Spirit, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. That's the only definition for praying in the Spirit I can find in the Bible. Can you find another one? So my spirit prays. When you pray in tongues, your spirit prays. Look at verse 15. I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with my mind. There are two ways to pray here. I can pray with my great intellect. I can pray with my mind. I can pray with my spirit. When I pray with my mind, I pray what I think. When I pray with my spirit, I don't understand what I'm saying. I'm praying in a language I don't understand. Now, let me ask you this. What's the sense of that? Why should I sit down and pray words that I don't understand what's being said? doesn't seem to be logical. doesn't seem to make sense. 
It says my mind is unfruitful when I pray in tongues. Why should I pray in tongues and not understand what's being said? Somebody says, well, maybe it's one of those things that just works. You don't know how it works. There was a nun who was a nurse. She ran out of gas, and she didn't have a gas container. She went to a nearby service station, and she got some gas in a bedpan. And the guy drove by, and he saw her emptying that bedpan into the gas tank, and he said, if that works, I'm going to become a Catholic. Let me ask you this. How much do you know? You know the future? We drive with duct tape over our headlights. We don't know very far ahead. Do you know your own heart? Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is desperately wicked and sneaky as a weasel in tennis shoes. Actually, that's a paraphrase. It said the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't even know our own heart. We think the problem's with the wife. Problem with you, you lunker. How much do you know? When's the last time you made a hundred on, made a perfect score on a SAT test? I mean, you know, as long as there are final exams, there will be prayer in school. I don't care what the government says. When you pray in English, you can only pray as far as you know. And in my case, that's about as far as a chihuahua can drag an anvil. Now let me ask you this, how much does the Holy Spirit know? How much does the Holy Spirit know? What if you could get the Holy Spirit to pray through you? What if you could attach your tongue to his mind? You wouldn't need to worry about praying the will of God, it would be perfect. You wouldn't need to worry about the future, it would be good. You could pray about things you don't understand. Let me ask you this, why doesn't the Holy Spirit pray through me in English? All right, suppose he's praying through me in English, and he says, Father, help Harry with that accident he's going to have next week. My mind would pounce on that like a cat on a chipmunk. I wouldn't be able to get away from that all week. I'd be like a fly stuck on flypaper. But when he prays through me in another language, I don't understand what's being said. He has the freedom to pray anything he wants to pray without me getting in the way. Do you see the sense of praying in tongues? Now, tongues comes with the Holy Spirit. There are two experiences with the Holy Spirit. That second one, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get tongues. You say, well, I want the Holy Spirit, but I don't want the tongues. Well, it's like a pair of tennis shoes. It, tongues come with it. You got it. You may not have manifested it yet. You may have been taught against it. You may have been taught tongues is of the devil. You may have been taught it's not for today. But if you were prayed to receive the Holy Spirit, a second experience with him, you have the gift of tongues down in you. You have it. You need to be encouraged and instructed on how to release it. You have got it. You know, people used to believe the people who spoke in tongues were illiterate, ignorant people who lived on the other side of the track. Kind of like that redneck who called 911 and said, my girlfriend just passed out. He said, what street you live on? He said, eucalyptus. He said, spell eucalyptus. He said, what about if I just drag, drag her over to O?
storefront Christian. Wrong side of the track Christian. That day's changed. There are lawyers today that speak in tongues, many of them. Of course, they have a legal right to do so. Not all lawyers are bad. One, one lawyer, St. Peter, said to the devil, you're encroaching on my territory, I'm going to sue you. And the devil said, where are you going to get a lawyer? There's some good lawyers around. There are lawyers that pray in tongues. There are surgeons that before they operate on you will pray in tongues over you these days. Did you know that? You get a surgeon like that, you got one that's a cut above the rest. The attorney general in the Bush administration spoke in tongues. Down through the ages, there have always been people that spoke in tongues. The French Huguenots in 1960s, spirit fell on Duquesne University and a bunch of Catholics got filled with the spirit. I thought we had the franchise on tongues. I thought it was like Coca-Cola. We bottle it, we keep it, we sell it. Now the Holy Spirit fell on a group of Catholics in Duquesne University. Before it was over, 10 million Catholics were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. A lot of those have been absorbed into charismatic churches now. 600 million people worldwide speak in tongues. The largest church in the history of the world, Yoido Full Gospel Church in Korea, is a tongue-speaking church. They took a poll among Southern Baptists in 2007. It shocked them. They polled pastors. How many of you pastors believe in a private prayer language? Over 50% of Southern Baptist pastors said they believe in a private prayer language. There's been an outbreak of the Holy Spirit in Tennessee among Baptists. I read in a magazine the other day that Presbyterians are beginning to speak in tongues. So it applies across the spectrum now. Anybody and everybody. Now, when should you pray in tongues? Only two times to pray in tongues. That's when you feel like it and when you don't. If you're as dry as an Egyptian mummy in a desert and a drought under a sun lamp, you need to pray in tongues. If it's so dry the cows are given powdered milk, you need to pray in tongues. I used to pray in tongues semi-annually when I felt the Holy Spirit during revival times. Well, I'm not a very excitable person. I don't get excited easily. You could put, it's like getting me excited is like putting jumper cables on a wooden Indian. I have to tell people I'm excited. They can't figure it out. So if you only pray in tongues when you're excited, like I did, twice a year, then that's about it. But I didn't know I could pray any time in tongues. Now, when I don't know how to pray is a good time to pray in tongues. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. My mind sometimes is as slow as a ruptured snail crawling through a puddle of super glue with an alimony payment and made with a bad check. You need to pray in tongues in emergencies. Guy pulled up behind a crowd of hell's angels at a red light and his horn got stuck. <laughs> Pray in tongues. My daughter and son-in-law were caught in a flash flood. Tony's back there. The water came up over the hood. It killed the engine. They had the baby in the back seat. How many of you know that a lot of people die in situations like that? They started praying. Stephanie started praying in tongues. That car cranked underwater, even though the water had killed it. 
and pulled out of that flash flood to safety. If you're in an emergency, even a Presbyterian would pray in tongues in a flash flood. When you need faith, you need to pray in tongues. Jude 20 says, You, beloved, building up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I've prayed for an hour in tongues, many times. I heard my mother-in-law years ago had terminal cancer, melanoma, and it was wrapped around her spine. The doctor said we didn't get it all. They might as well have said go get a wreath. My faith was like an anorexic with pneumonia. I didn't have enough faith to deal with it, and I knew it. How many have had a situation where you knew you didn't have the faith to deal with it? But I prayed in the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying my prayers got her healed. There are a lot of people praying for her. But I'll tell you what, praying in tongues helped me and helped me deal with that situation. My faith was like a wheelchair at the bottom of Mount Everest. How many have heard sermons on put on the armor of God? Put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit. How many have heard sermons on that? And the preacher didn't finish up with verse 18. That's in Hebrews, that's in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. But the preacher didn't end on verse 18, which after you put on the armor of God, and after you put on the belt of truth, and after you put on the helmet of salvation, and after you've put on the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6.18 says, and pray in the Spirit at all times. You're standing there with the armor on. You've got the sword of the Spirit. What do you do next? You pray in the Spirit. Ponte caro at all times. When is a good time to pray in the Spirit? Yes. How many of you know you can give thanks in tongues? 1 Corinthians 14, 16. Of course, if you give thanks in tongues to the church, you need an interpretation. He requires that. But you can give thanks to the church in tongues. No, you can give thanks in tongues. I can give thanks in tongues privately without interpreting. I can sing in tongues. Probably better than my singing in English. I used to pastor a church where we sung in tongues all together at the same time. You say, well, that's out of order. There's no interpretation. No, that's a private use of tongues. When the worship leader calls for that, and everybody uses their prayer language simultaneously together, and it's not one person speaking to the church in tongues, it does not require an interpretation, but it should be orderly and led by the worship leader. You need to pray in tongues when you need direction. There's a missionary in Russia called Rick Renner, and when he looks for the next place to go to minister, he prays in the Spirit until he gets a definite direction from the Spirit. I'm not much on direction. You turn me around the phone booth. I need a map to get out. I need a global positioning system on my wheelbarrow. But when you pray in the Spirit, he becomes a navigator. Judy said the reason we used to have so many miles on the car was I drove past every place I was going. When you need revelation, sometimes you're praying in tongues and you get revelation. The Spirit shows you things. You've read a scripture for years and years, and you see something you've never seen before. He uncovers a nugget. Sometimes we dig for gold when it's lying on the ground. The Spirit shows us where to go.
I like to take notes on things like that. Somebody told me one time, if you're really anointed, you don't need notes. I said, thank you, I'll make a note of that. <laughs> when I need peace, I need to pray in tongues. I watch too much news. There's enough stuff going on in the world now to give a statue indigestion. You could worry about your grandchildren. Tongues is a good substitute for fretting. Instead of worry, just start praying in the Spirit. If you've got problems bigger than a giraffe with a sore throat, pray in tongues. You need to pray in tongues when the perfect storm hits your life, when there's divorce or death or layoff or trouble or you find out your best friend has turned against you. You need to pray in the Spirit. You know, a woman had a cat. She named him Trouble. And one night, Trouble got out. And she was walking the neighborhood streets in her nightgown. And a cop pulled up and said, Lady, what are you doing? She said, I'm looking for trouble. <laughs> now, a lot of people object to speaking in tongues. They go to 1 Corinthians 13, 8, where it says, Tongues shall cease. They say tongues are not for today. Well, let's get honest with the text. Let's don't be guilty of textual molestation. Text taken out of context, used as a proof text, as a pretext. It also says that prophecy and knowledge will cease. At the same time, tongues cease. One finish line for all three. A lot of the same churches that teach this also believe that prophecy is preaching. If prophecy is preaching and it stops at the same time tongues does, why do they still have preaching on Sunday morning? Tongues, prophecy, knowledge will all cease at the same time. Now let me tell you when they'll cease. In 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12, they'll cease when we see Christ face to face. When we know fully as we're fully known. When we're with Christ, we won't need the gifts of the Spirit. Glorified body needs healing like a submarine needs screen doors. What are you going to teach a, what are you going to teach a glorified mind? What are you going to teach a glorified mind? You don't teach it anything. Why do you need prophecy when you see Jesus face to face? You're in the future. You don't need somebody to prophesy about the future. You're there. When we see him face to face, we won't need the gift of tongues. Now it said we know in part. I have partial knowledge, and my part's a lot less than a lot of people. But when I know, see Christ face to face, then I will know fully. I'll get a new hard drive. I'll get a new motherboard. I'll get a CD instead of a floppy. The Greek for know fully is epignosis. In heaven we'll know fully. It'll be downloaded in our spirits instantly. In heaven there are no introductions. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration when the disciples got a glimpse of the second coming? Nobody had to introduce Moses and Elijah. Peter knew who they were. Just He just knew. He knew it instinctively. There are no erasers in heaven. There are no corrections in heaven. There's no whiteout in heaven. We won't click on undo. There's no orientation courses. No six-month course on how to get around in heaven. We'll have full knowledge, not partial knowledge. Partial knowledge will cease. When we see Jesus face to face, you won't need the gift of tongues. Have we arrived at that place? They have perfect memories in heaven. I had a good book on memory. I forgot where I put it. 
Somebody said when we have a complete Bible, the gift of tongues will cease. Here's a complete Bible. Do you know fully? If you know fully, I've got some questions for you. Know fully as we're fully known. Do you have full knowledge? Somebody said tongues is for baby Christians. Wonderful. Paul's the biggest baby of all. Said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Somebody said tongues is the least of the gifts. Are you sure about that? They go by the fact that tongues of the interpretation is listed last in 1 Corinthians 12 in that list, 27, 28. But love is listed last in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, and it says it's the greatest of those three. That listed last least thing is a theologian thing. They apply it when it's convenient. Listen, this is the only gift you can pray supernaturally with. This is the only gift that with interpretation spoken to the church is equal to prophecy. This is the only gift that's used as a sign to unbelievers. You think God had a senior moment when he gave us the gift of tongues? Speaking of tongues as a sign, I can remember in Missouri, we had a pastor from Kenya there that morning, visiting speaker from Kenya, and Harry Dunn was from Arkansas, and Harry Dunn gave out a message in tongues, Becky Bowen interpreted, and Manasseh Moncaleo from Kenya got all excited, he said, Pasta, Pasta, I want to say something, he said, that man spoke in high Swahili, and I knew Harry Dunn, he can't speak in high English. Junior Sample. Said he spoke in high Swahili. And the lady gave the correct interpretation. He went to the overhead and wrote some words he'd spoken on the interpretation and gave the meaning. I spoken in Swahili and gave the meaning. Now, that was a sign to unbelievers. Even though it was a different sign than the day of Pentecost, it had an interpretation instead of letting them understand their own language. Well, I guess it had that too. Manasseh understood what was being said. It was a sign to unbeliever. We had some strangers there that morning. It wasn't a sign for me. But I already believe. Now, I'm not going to cover all the objections. They're a free book outside on the Holy Spirit you can get on your way out. Should be enough for everybody. Let me talk about unused tongues before I close. Tongues is mainly for prayer. Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you. But yet he said in the church in verse 19, 1 Corinthians 14, in the church I'd rather speak five words that can be understood than 10,000 words in a tongue. Those Corinthians would speak in tongues without interpreting, and the church was not being edified. And where did Paul do all that speaking in tongues? He uh, could have won the Olympics in tongues. Tongues Olympics. He's like a Corinthian on steroids. But he didn't do all that tongue speaking in church because that required interpretation but he must have spent hours and hours and hours upon hours praying in tongues privately. Now, he's supposed to have had one of the seven greatest minds of all times. I don't know who's got a mind great enough that they decided who the seven greatest minds were. If he, with his mind, needed to pray in tongues constantly, do you think with my peanut brain I don't need to spend some time in tongues? I have partial knowledge, very partial. Now, if you only speak in tongues when you feel something, you won't spend much time praying in tongues. 
How many of you know we don't feel the Holy Spirit all the time? As a Pentecostal, I was brought up to think you spoke in tongues only when you felt the Holy Spirit. Then I looked closely at 1 Corinthians 14, 14. It said, I will pray. I will pray. Not I'll pray when I feel, but I will pray. How many of you pray in English when you will? Can you choose to pray in English right now? He said, I will pray in tongues, and I will, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with my mind. When I found out I could pray in tongues at any time, I was like a redneck at a barbecue. I started praying in tongues. I became sensitive to other gifts, interpretation, things like that. If you pray only, somebody says, well, that goes against my tradition. Well, if your tradition goes against the word, put your tradition in the back seat and put the word behind the steering wheel. Put your tradition in the blender and feed it to the cat. What the word says is what the word says. There are two uses of tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 27, 28. I'm not going to turn because I'm holding this mic. It says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let it be by two or three or th two or the most three, and let one interpret. And if there's no interpreter, let him keep quiet in the church. Now, that's two uses of tongues, speaking to the church in tongues and praying to yourself in God in church or privately, anywhere. Some people don't realize that you're in control of tongues. You can start, you can stop, you can go loud, you can go soft, you can get in order, you can get out of order. Somebody says, how do you know that? That's very easy. <clears throat> he said, if there's no interpreter, <clears throat> let him keep quiet in the church. Is he telling the Holy Spirit to keep quiet or telling you to keep quiet? You're in control. Let all things be done decently and in order. A great time to learn about tongues and interpretation is in small groups. But you can see both uses of tongues. Now, when people don't pray in tongues, if they only speak in tongues when they feel emotional, when they're venting their emotions, there's a lot of wasted time that could have been spent praying in tongues. Most powerful way to pray. Why pray with your mind alone when you can pray through the Holy Spirit? That's like a farmer plowing with one old mule, preparing your mind to a broken down mule, when there's a brand new John Deere tractor in the barn. Pray in tongues. Occasionally I'll go without praying in tongues for a while. Then I'll rediscover it. Then I'll spend an hour in tongues. Then I'll feel my faith being built up. Jude 20, you build yourself up on your most holy faith. When things are bad, when you're under pressure, take a while and just pray in the spirit. Don't just pray in tongues when you're excited. If you're in ministry, before you have to teach or preach, I always spend a significant amount of time Praying in tongues. Now, how many of you actually spend some time, close your, uh, close your eyes, bow your head. How many of you actually spend time praying in tongues? Raise your hand if you spend significant time praying in tongues. How many want to learn to pray in tongues? I'm going to give you some simple instructions. Then I'm going to ask those that want it to come down front. We'll dismiss you, and I'm going to let some of the brothers start ministering to you. 
First of all, if you're not in covenant with Jesus Christ, you need to do Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if you confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Anybody while heads are bowed need to be saved. If you do, come down. Or just raise your hand. Take it everybody saved here this morning. How many have asked the Holy Spirit to come in you for a second time? How many need to ask the Holy Spirit to come in you for a second time? There are two experiences of the Holy Spirit. We won't embarrass you. This is fine if two or three come or half the congregation comes. It's fine either way. Let me tell you that when you go to speak in tongues, you need to make sure you've asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then just by faith, one of the best ways to get started is stop speaking English and just begin to speak words you don't know. Trust the Holy Spirit for the word. We used to tarry. They prayed for me for hours to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And they tell me, say, Glory, 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 till I got mixed up, you know, and then I'd cross over. But I found if you'll just simply by faith stop speaking English, take a deep breath, begin to speak by faith, it's there and you've got it. So, well, they tarried in the Bible. Well, tarry means wait. And if you want to get it exactly like the disciples got it, go to Jerusalem and wait 10 days before Pentecost, receive it on the day of Pentecost. But if you want to just receive it, it's been given 2,000 years ago. It's just up to you to receive it. That's all there is to it. Receiving by faith begin to speak. Let's stand together. Pastor, I'm going to turn it over to you right now. If you need 